Hello and welcome back to the Bird's Eye View podcast. We are back this week and man, has a lot happened since last week when we last recorded. The Blue Jays coming off three of four winning against the Houston Astros and then a wild series against the Twins where they take one out of three. We've got a very special episode this week where we are joined by what we are thinking is going to be a recurring guest host, Jory Nagin Schechter, today. And of course, Jory will be joining myself, Zach Warden, and Jake Brandon as we go through a ton of Blue, Jay, Blue Jays news. With that said, let's just jump right into it. Jake, Jory, I'll start with you, Jake. How are you doing today and how are you feeling about the Jays? Yeah, I'm doing well. I mean, it was great to see Kevin hit that homer yesterday, so... Definitely more positive than if we if he didn't hit that homer, getting swept. So yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm happy he hit the homer and and really sal- salvage that series for us. Yeah, we'll get into Cabin a little bit later. A potentially season saving. I'm not. I don't want to put out season saving home run because you know it's it's June, but definitely a big swing from him there. A guy who has kind of quietly had a decent last couple months. Um, Jory, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? And to give us your opening statement on your feelings about the 2023 Blue Jays. Well, first, can I say it's an honor and a privilege to be hopping on with you guys. Always a pleasure. And in terms of the Blue Jays so far, I mean, this season, there's a lot you could say. But I think even this week has been a whirlwind. And I, I would say in terms of a, an opening statement, if you will, on this week, uh, so much to get to, as you've alluded to. They've had this whole Manoa fiasco hit a boiling point, And then there was that spot start in between where Trevor Richards shows up and is unbelievable. And then this whole twin series and the, da- the disaster that looked like, and immediately Kevin Biggio totally flipping it. It's on its head, uh, all kinds of bullpen issues. There's, there's been lots to talk about with the Jays, no shortage. And uh, the clock is ticking on them in some respects, but this has been a, a, an all over the place season so far. Yeah, believe it or not, the Jays are only half game out of the last wildcard spot behind the Astros. So, I mean, realistically, if you were going to take one of those two series, they won They won the right one in terms of playoff hopes, I would say. As you mentioned, Jory, we haven't talked about Alec Manoa yet. He was sent down to the Complex League the day we last recorded. So, with Manoa obviously kind of having the awful start against the Astros in the one loss of that series. And now he's sent down, they sent him down, called up Bowden Francis. And, you know, it's, it's really tough. It sucks to see, you know, a guy who was a Cy Young finalist last year going, having to go all the way back down to the complex league where he's obviously getting rebuilt. I mean, I think it's, was probably the right decision instead of just throwing him back to the Wolves in AAA and potentially compounding on the issue. How do you, how do you, Jake, feel kind of about what the decision is and and what we might see going forward with Manoa? Yeah, and no, I agree. It's definitely the right decision. It's been a rough year, no matter how you shape it. I mean, the strikeouts are down, the walks are insane. He's almost walking more than he's striking out. He's a guy that's just completely lost right now and needs to go down and find it. It's And it's really important that he does find it. I mean, he's a guy that the Jays are going to need, obviously not in a playoff spot right now, so they could be fighting down the stretch. He's a guy they're going to need in the postseason if they do make it there. So, yeah, I mean, it's the right move. He's got to go down there, get in a better headspace, and figure some things out in the lab. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what what the answer is to make him start pitching better, but I mean, I, I think one of the biggest concerns is just locating the fastball. I mean, he doesn't have the best fastball in the world. The, the velocity is also down, which doesn't help. But he's a guy that throws. He doesn't. He doesn't throw high nineties. So if he's low nineties, he's really gonna have to locate that fastball and and be perfect. Or it's it makes it much easier for these hitters to just lay off the off speed, right? If he's not locating it. So I think that's probably going to be one of the things they're focusing on uh, in, in Duddy with him. Yeah. Down that, that pitching lob investment that they made uh, over the winter. And uh, that might've even been two winters ago. That's about to have to pay some huge dividends and very quickly. Manoa, it's no secret has lost his touch, but this is also a guy that was a finalist for the Cy Young last year. You don't, completely implode like this just by accident so there's not really much in the way of kind of i guess reasoning for this obviously you can see the peripherals and and you can see the the process behind it why everything has gone sour but it's not like this guy overnight has turned into a pumpkin you know there are still attributes that made him a top 10 pick or, or a top 15 whatever pick in the major league draft back in 2019, you know, there's there's still all sorts of stuff that allowed him to blow through the Blue Jays minor league system, pitched probably all of 30, 40 innings maybe because he got called up so fast and given the COVID season in between. You would figure that he'll figure something out and they're going to have to figure something out because he's supposed to be such an integral part of their rotation. But in terms of just the sheer surprise of how this went down. I can't, I, I'm still really befuddled that this is Alec Manoa now, and it's not necessarily Alec Manoa now moving forward, but to even get to this point is so baffling. Yeah, certainly, you know, it's, it's concerning. There's no two ways about it. You know, the walks are up, the Ks are down, the, the Velo is the same, but like, I mean, obviously some of the movement stuff's a little bit different and, it just just hasn't been that sharp and i mean you know how whatever you want to attribute it to like i mean maybe it's him going for almost 200 innings last year after never touching anywhere close to that in his professional career you know like i i think there were some concerns about that down the stretch last year and they were generally brushed aside by the blue jays but maybe it's something that that realistically did affect him this year i like i mean you know, you look at, you know, a lot of people, of course, have compared it to the Ricky Romero, the Roy Halladay situations, and and it, it's not the same. I mean, everybody's an individual situation, right? They're not sending, I think, if you're expecting Alec Manoa to come back up and be Roy Halladay, you're going to be a little bit disappointed in what happens at Dunedin. I think, you know, he's, he's a super competitive guy. We, you know, we all watched the Obsessed series before his six, first six starts by Sportsnet, and Kind of could, not have, could not have been more poorly timed. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but uh, yeah, very unfortunate timing there behind that. And, you know, they gave him 13 starts of runway this year and he had two good starts. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a concern and I don't think there's any easy answer as to what he is, but, you know, I, I think we've seen so much from him that maybe just a little reset will be enough for him to get himself back into things and be able to come back and, and be a a solid pitcher in the rotation. 
Do you, do you, for you guys, do you think that's going to be like, is that something, can we expect him back this season? Or is that going to be a, like maybe it's a next year thing? I mean, I do expect him to come back this season. I think a guy like him, I think there's not a lot of pitchers in the league that are better suited to go down and then come back up than Alec Manoa. He's like we mentioned, he's a competitor. He's a guy that's not a stranger to hard work. So I, I do have confidence in him coming back. I mean, I'm not expecting him to come back and be anywhere close to that 2022. I expected a lot of regression from 2022, and this season I, I didn't see coming at all. This is completely out of nowhere, but I, I think he could definitely come back. I don't know when. I mean, late in the season, September maybe, I'm, I'm thinking. Just just having that, it's, it's almost like adding somebody like at the deadline a little bit later and just getting like a big starter for a playoff push, hopefully. That's kind of what I'm envisioning for Manoa. Just a guy to a guy to really put them over the top heading into a playoff push, or maybe they're fighting for it just down to the last day, right? It's kinda of, that's it's kind of looking like it might be like that this season. So he might be a guy that they really need in those last few weeks of the season just to even put them into the playoffs. Jake, do you think they even have the the runway to be able to be that patient with him? They're 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 running out Trevor Richards as their fifth starter right now. Yeah. And there's nothing in the pipeline given Ricky Tiedemann has recently had his left arm fall off and like, they can't afford to have him back that late. They, they need to have him back probably sooner than that. And I know you want to rebuild him and, and fix him, but I also feel like you can't really not even coddle. Cause that's not even what they, what they need to do with him. They need to fix him. But as soon as you get him right, you need to get him back up to the big leagues. And I, and I think ideally that's no more than a month, maybe a month and a half. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. I mean, they're they're gonna be fighting without him in the rotation. I I, I think we're looking at like Ryu returning. That that could be potentially a savior. Just I, I'm not I'm not saying Ryu's gonna be great, but he could be kind of like Kikuchi level and just eat up innings, which they really need. Obviously, go throwing Richards out there really hurts the pen because you use him as an opener. That's one less guy in the in the bullpen. But I mean, yeah, it's I, ideally you'd want him to come up as soon as possible, but. If he's not going to come up and be competitive, then there's really no point. So there's there's no there's no saying what what's going to happen. I mean, anything could happen. If he goes down there and they think, okay, he looks really sharp and could come back up, sure. But it's also something that you don't want to rush. It's 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 a tough decision. It's it's a decision that I'm lucky I don't have to make. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs without him. There's there's no doubt. Yeah, it's the, the big thing, right? I mean, everybody's kind of looking for comps and historical comparisons. And, like, I mean, th- there really isn't any. You know, I've done, a, a, like, quite a bit of looking through to kind of see, like, a, a young guy like this kind of imploding. And, I, you know, like, I mean, the, the Ricky and Halliday stuff is, is fine. But I'm going to throw one name at you guys for you guys to look up here while I talk through it a little bit is Dontrell Willis. That's not a name that you want to be uh, comparing him to. I mean, if you look at Dontrell, like, I mean, he, he kind of had like, he had more minor league runway and he was, you know, he was up in the bigs at 21. And, you know, I, I think if we're comparing, you know, like, I mean, you look at Willis's 2005 season where he goes six and a half F4, like 2.63 ERA, you know, a little bit overperforming the peripherals. And then he has another solid season after, which obviously we didn't get from Manoa. And then he totally explodes in 2007, but still gets to throw 200 innings somehow. And I mean, you know, like, I mean, they didn't send him down after that, but they did, they did send him to Detroit. So where he, 
was in the minors for a little bit there. Um, is that worst case scenario? Like he comes back up, can't figure it out, and then his career is basically done. Like, I mean, I, I, sorry, I mean, obviously that's worst case scenario, but is is there a possibility where that happens in this specific circumstance? I, I'd say, I'd say so, but I, I don't think that, I don't think they can afford that. I think that you've got Manoa penciled in as like your number two guy, not only like this year, but for the foreseeable future. So for the Dontrell Willis comp, which I mean, you bring it up and it makes some sense to even be on the radar is concerning, but yeah, it's, it's unprecedented. I don't think that there's ever been, and I wish I could recall the specific statistic, but this is the highest ever jump in ERA year to year from a guy 25 or younger, I believe. Uh, that pitched a, a minimum, I don't know how many, but it, it was a minimum qualifying um, number of innings. I mean, Dondra Willis would be catastrophic. But I mean, even like the other guys you mentioned, like beyond Roy Halladay, like guys don't really tend to turn into pumpkins and then become the bell of the ball again. Yeah, I mean, uh, just, a, just an interesting statistic I was kind of just thinking about. I mean... Skill Interactive ERA leaders last year, they've all, or sorry, the ERA leaders last year have all been brutal this year. I think like the highest ERA we've seen from from the top five is is 4.39 from Urias. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting just to see year to year how pitchers change. And I mean, like, like you mentioned, that's probably the worst case scenario for Manoa. It's a situation that is possible just because pitchers are so random just it can happen year to year guys change but i mean hopefully it doesn't happen hopefully it does come back stronger and i i do have confidence that will happen yeah definitely will be something to watch obviously i don't think that we're going to see him get into game action for a while and that's probably a, a post all-star break um ad or like that's earliest timeline i would say for him i think we we won't be hearing anything necessarily about his his progress for a while so you know, will be something to keep an eye on, and I'm sure we'll touch on it going ahead in the future. But with so much news to get to today, we'll move on. I think, uh, you know, Manoa has probably been thoroughly well discussed by this point, given that it was a week ago. It's been a week since he's been sent down, which is crazy. It feels like it's been forever that the Blue Jays have run out this five-man rotation without him, even though it's been only one time through. Um, a part of this pitching situation that they're going through was obviously the whole Anthony Bass situation and the general mishandling of it by the organization. I think we touched on it a little bit last week and since then it, it got even worse. You know, they lined him up to catch the first pitch of the pride night, which I don't think you can make a worse decision as an organization than that making the pride night about the guy who appears to be a homophobe is not the way to go. And, you know, I, I think I'm just generally disappointed in the way that the Blue Jays did kind of go about this. And obviously you get to the right decision in the end, but it takes way too long to get there. And it's just an overall mishandling of what I think was probably a pretty straightforward situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, if that did happen, if he did end up catching the first pitch of the Pride Night, I think it just would have been a disaster. So, can, can you imagine the booze he would have gotten? Yeah, I, I I don't know who's making that decision. That's 
that's outrageous in my opinion but it, i'm glad that it didn't happen and i mean you can justify it as a skill move you can justify it as an off season or as an off the field move but i mean either way it's it's a move that had to happen and and i agree it probably took too long to happen yeah i i wonder why atkins was so adamant about defending him uh i saw some theories floated around that maybe there was someone else in the room that was particularly influential in keeping him around or maybe the players weren't happy with with how it was handled like it doesn't it never really made a lot of sense why atkins and and shapiro i don't know how much he he was involved but definitely atkins kind of went to bat for this guy even you know john schneider during the first incident i wouldn't even say he went to bat for him but there was just a an organizational philosophy that was I mean, perplexing to say the least. Listen, like I'm a straight white dude. Like I'm not going to have the most complex take on this beyond obviously Bass's stance was horrible. But the the organization really, in my opinion, completely bungled it, which I think is probably the, the wide standing belief. Yeah, again, like I mean this, you know, it's kind of been – a while like the the news has dropped you know a lot of coverage has happened and like i mean realistically i don't think we're the three most qualified people to talk about exactly what this entire situation entails in terms of major league baseball in terms of the blue jays in terms of you know how it makes people feel but i think you know it's just it's about being a good person and like in this space where you know people are historically not welcomed that there needs to be more of an effort to be aware of those groups and making sure that this is a space where everybody is welcome, especially like, I mean, it's, it's baseball, right? Like, I mean, it's a kid's game. We don't need to be excluding people and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, not the most qualified person to talk about it, but I think it's, it's pretty easy to be, a, a, a better person about it than the way that this entire situation was handled. Yeah, yeah. And, and as well, I mean, Bass was not pitching well. Like he could have been, he could have been gone a lot sooner. The, the insistence on hanging around with him again, just the, really the word that comes to mind is perplexing. I, I mean, they, they made the right choice, but just, just to me could have and should have been done a lot sooner. I'm interested to see what happens with him too, because it's been 47 hours since the DFA has happened. So in in my mind, I'm thinking somebody's probably claimed him and maybe they're trying to work out a trade. If not, he just walks, but it'd be good to at least get something for him. But either way, I don't, I don't think they're looking to even have him hang around in the minors at this point. Yeah. And of course there was, was like some rumors that he wanted out too. So, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe there's something behind the scenes going on that will, find out about here in the next couple days which you know whatever see you later bozo we don't yeah really, really care that much uh. i uh i'd also be uh i'd also be asking out if i came out of my uh out of the bullpen to to pitch and got booed by my own fans so which yeah. was which was a pretty awesome moment to see yeah good for the people in the roger center that night that did that um We'll move on here. We'll get into a little bit more baseball-specific stuff on the field since the Blue Jays did have such an interesting week, taking three or four from the Astros in a huge series, winning the tiebreaker over them. I, I don't expect them to end the season with the same record as the Astros, but 
you never know what happens. And, you know, my biggest takeaway, so for the Jays this year, like they've won some games over some freaking pitchers. They've beat Strider, Cole, and now you get Framber too in that series. I think, uh, you know, just the pitching was was incredible. Like, I mean, Bassett, Gosman, Ed Barrios all having great starts and helping helping take that series. I mean, obviously, I know Jordan was out for the end of the last game, but just specifically diving into, like, the importance of winning those games, do you think that they're – I mean, I, like, Texas has been so good, but, like, I mean, what, what, are, what are the possibilities you think that the Jays and the Astros come down as the final two teams for that last wildcard spot? I could see it. Listen, I mean, the Astros obviously are, are the cream of the crop as the defending champs, but the West is listen. No, no division is in the same category as the AL East. But I mean, the AL West is certainly a lot more interesting than the Central, and, and the Astros they're going to have a tough go getting at the Rangers. You know, for all the talk of how good the Rays are, I think the Rangers still have the better run differential. Uh, those two teams are clearly 1A and 1B, but outside of that, the Blue Jays and the Astros are going to be two teams duking it out right to the end. So to get that tiebreaker is huge. And the pitching is really kind of the the start and the end of the story because Lord knows the offense has been uh, non-existent at times. Bassett, you talked about, has been such a revelation. Uh, I mean... This is obviously into the twin series, but I mean, you get that spot start from Richards that was amazing. I think Gosman deserves Cy Young discussion, and I know obviously his last start probably puts a damper on that, but I, I don't think, I don't think in my in my mind it should take him out of the conversation entirely, especially with so much runway to go. I think he's comfortably a top five guy in that spot right now. It's it's really been kind of amazing that despite this lack of pitching depth that the Jays have. They're basically running out four starters right now because they sure as hell don't have a fifth. I mean, Mitch White is uh, no longer a starter. The way that they've been able to win these games and the way they've been able to compete with guys like you mentioned, like a Framber Valdez, like they go out there and they outduel them. That's huge. That's that's enormous. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the wild card shapes out. I mean, at the start of the year, you don't think Baltimore has any chance, and they're leading the wild card right now. So. Conceivably, it's possible that the Jays don't make it, the Yankees don't make it, the Astros don't make it. One of them could potentially not make it, which is kind of crazy. You would never say that at the start of the year. But, I mean, all teams are kind of going through it. The Jays with Manoa, the Yankees have their injury battles, Carlos Rodon, and then the Astros losing Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers not coming back. So, And that Jordan just got hurt too. They haven't had Brantley all year. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors for all these teams that, can look really good on paper with everybody healthy, but Baltimore's just been doing it. And there's a possibility that they just keep doing it the rest of the year. And and one of these really good teams doesn't make the playoffs. Hopefully it's not the Jays, but it's, it's definitely a possibility, especially with Manoa going down and yeah, just running out four starters. Eventually it probably is going to come back to bite, bite them, right? If they don't get Ryu healthy soon or come up with some solution in, in the five spot for, for starting pitching. Yeah, let's move on to the twin series where, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the whole conversation, right? I mean, we talked last week about how poorly you line up for this series. You get Kikuchi and your, well, what was supposed to be Manoa, but it turns into a bullpen day against 
the Twins' two top pitchers in Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan, who are in the Cy Young conversation themselves. And then you get the Gosman louis Varland start, which, you know, kind of looks like a layup at the beginning. And then it just <laughs> ends up being a totally wild game with Gosman, you know, struggling. With the way that the rotation is going right now, do you think, like, I mean, I, I mean, what's the answer? Is it just waiting out for Ryu? Is it moving things around so that you can kind of help out the bullpen a little bit more? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going Kikuchi and that bullpen day back-to-back. And Kikuchi has, you know, we, we can, you, he, obviously he went five innings and looked a little bit upset when he got pulled on, on Saturday. Sorry, Friday. And... Like he's he's only giving you five innings right now, so you have four innings to cover with your bullpen. Like basically every time that he's out there. So when you go four innings of a bullpen game after Kikuchi, and then having to go nine innings of a bullpen day because you don't have a fifth starter right now. Like I mean, maybe you just move. You have an off day right now, so maybe you move Gosman up a start, you move Bassett up a start, and you just throw that bullpen day in between there, so that you kind of have some bullpen relief and have some arms fresh for that game. What do you guys? What do you guys think is the answer to? to this rotation right now because the way that it's going it's it seems like you know it's it's a pretty consistent pattern right you go through the three games where you get gossman bassett barrios and you get like some wins you get some solid games and then you have like just a big question mark as to whether kikuchi is going to throw well and now another question mark with what's going to happen in this bullpen game i'd say i'd say in my eyes you're you're looking externally it's it's you need you need an answer and you're not going to get one internally because no answer exists internally. Uh, this is it goes back to that Manoa discussion where I, they cannot afford to have him be out of the picture through the entire summer, basically into into the stretch run. And obviously, you know he's no good to you if he's putting up six walks per nine. But I don't really see what else you're going to do. Like Zach Plezak was a name that we discussed before you, you hit the record button, but I don't really know how much of a solution he is either. You're, you're probably looking at the trade market for, for somebody, but again, it's, is it a case of, do you jump the market and, and now you're overpaying for a, for a so, so guy. There's, there's just a, there's a lack of, there's a lack of depth clearly with this team and that is going to be what makes or breaks the rotation basically because you've got one, two, three, but Lord knows what comes next. Yeah. I mean, I kind of floated the idea a bit of maybe just using Nate Pearson instead of Richards as an opener. Obviously you want to be careful with Pearson. He's been healthy. He's been giving us great innings and you don't really want to mess that up by potentially going down the starter route again, but this team's really in desperate need of something. And I mean, I'm not saying turn him into a starter, but maybe what Richards did go three innings, kind of just ease him into it. And yeah, if he can stay healthy, maybe that becomes more of a long-term thing, but I I don't know how much you really want to mess with that at the end of the day with Pearson. What do you, what, what do you guys think about that? I think Pearson has been too important to the bullpen for them to move. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's a bullpen spot, so it's different, but I think, you know, kind of the inconsistencies that you've gotten from everybody not named Romano Swanson and Pearson would really make that a a tough move to take him out as, as one of those options, especially when he's kind of been, 
filling so many roles for the team, right? Like, I mean, if they need like a couple innings, he's been the guy. If they need, you know, Swanson is down and they need a leverage inning, like, I mean, he's been the guy to fill in there too. I, 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 I think he's kind of been too important. He's made himself too important with the bullpen to, to kind of move off. Yeah, no, I, I, I generally agree with that too. I mean, it was kind of just something to float around, but I mean, yeah, like, you're probably looking at just stretching out Mitch White in the five right now, which is which is pretty tough because I don't have a, I don't have a ton of trust in Mitch White at all. He had a really solid one year with the Dodgers, but since then it's been not great performances, injuries. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for sure until until they can figure something out, trade deadline, or or potentially get Ryu back. No, Mitch White, uh, Mitch White would be pretty dire. Um, I, I don't even know. Um, I don't even know if you could put him in the conversation. Uh, like, I would say you're missing Ross Stripling right now, but it's not like he's been any good either. They they yeah. just they don't have enough arms, and they need arms. Uh, which every team always needs arms. It's, it's like gold. It's always valuable. But what like what are you gonna do? Like, there's no there's no real solution here other than to to kind of weather the rough seas and hope that Manoa's on the way and you're kind of riding until, I guess, Ryu comes back, but that's still post-All-Star break. They they need arms and, and they don't have them. Yeah, maybe it's just a, a scenario where you just keep stretching Trevor Richards out. I mean, he threw, you know, 50-ish pitches on Saturday and was obviously amazing. You know, he had seven Ks in three innings and has been, like, really, really good as soon as since he's figured out, hey, I'm just going to throw my changeup all the time. And, you know, like, I mean, if you stretch him out, like, you just keep stretching him out, you know, you, you got him at 50 right now, you get him to 70, to 80, like, I mean, and then you kind of get him into that, like, we're going to get five innings from Trevor Richards and you get the same thing as you're getting from, you say, from him but maybe with better results, which is something that I cannot believe that I just said after last year and kind of how things have unfolded. But I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, Richards is like three seasons removed from being a starting pitcher. So, you know, like, I mean, it, it maybe doesn't hurt to give that a shot. Um, basically, I think you're right. Like, I mean, it's, it's just got to be about weathering the storm and waiting until, you know, one of these guys who gives you consistently more bulk innings is back and ready to go. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of movement right now. Obviously, they moved Bo to Bowden Francis down after he, you know, he, he looked all right. I think he looked pretty good. He probably, you know, deserved to keep pitching on Saturday in that that eighth inning where, you know, they, they go to Simber. Simber comes in, gives up the grand slam, and they, they end up losing that game. And, kind of, you know, really unfortunate fashion the way that they lose that game. And then Mitch White comes in and, you know, obviously everything everything breaks loose after that. But right now in their bullpen, you have Simber, White, Jimmy, like a lot of, I mean, Thomas Hatch is in the bullpen right now, but he, I mean, he's, he's looked okay, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, the bullpen doesn't have a lot of trustworthy guys in it right now. And I thought it was interesting that after, you know, Bowden looked 
looked all right that they decided to move him down. I, I, I'm not sure what you guys are. I feel like we have the bullpen discussion every single week. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's, it's, it's not been, been great outside of, out of the, the three. Well, that's the problem with a bullpen, right? Is that it's, you know, one day it's sunny, one day it's rainy. It's such a small sample size. That's just the nature of the beast. But the the problem is that they just don't have enough like electric arms. I mean, maybe you're waiting for a Zach Pop type to come back and, and that'll provide some length as well. Potentially he's got some, not experience starting, but some experience with some some extended uh, extended outings out of the bullpen type of vibe. But yeah, they, part of it is yeah they just they're they're a little battered and bruised, and part of it is just that guys that they you know like Jimmy Garcia you mentioned before last year was I wouldn't say he was the most enjoyable Blue Jay to watch but he got the results and then this year just the Jimmy Garcia experience has been just unpleasant so I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't. I just. I don't know even what to say. Just it's kind of like you just need bullpen guys to show up, and they just there's a lack of them. Well, yeah. I think it's it's funny too. Like I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Jimmy. Like I mean, a guy you know Adam Simber. He's given you 140 innings the last two years of sub three ERA pitching. Like I mean, he's been. You know, I mean, obviously, yes, it 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 is probably a little bit luck based based on how hard he throws, what he throws, you know, the results that he gets, and but. I mean, for him to kind of blow up this year is is pretty unfortunate. I, I actually like Simber. I think he's, you know, a different look and kind of changes the look of your pen. And the way that they used him in the past couple of years, like, I mean, he was one of their higher leverage arms, and now he's, like, like he's dangerously close to being, I think, off the roster. I'm not, how, do, how do you think about that? Simber? That's what I have in my notes. I was going to ask you guys, like, is Simber the next DFA, right? Because, like, statistics wise he's been just as bad as bass has been and i mean yeah like the past few years he's a guy that you haven't really thought about at all he's just he's not flashy he goes out there and he's just been so solid middle relief work for us and and this year it's it's really shown how how much having him pitch not great is it hurts this bullpen i mean yeah it's 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 somebody that that could potentially get dfa'd he's a 32 year old reliever and they have guys like zach pop coming back they have someone like Chad Green, who, who's who's going to make his debut for this team eventually. So that might be a decision that they have to make if, if everybody's healthy and they don't have a true answer, somebody obvious to send down, like a Thomas Hatch. I mean, it, it might have to be Simber, unfortunately, if he, if he doesn't start pitching better. It is very frightening how much, when you think about it for like a minute, how much the Blue Jays' bullpen hinges on Chad Green coming back and being Chad Green, because if he comes back and is not Chad Green, if he comes back and is uh, post-TJ, lost all his velo, can't command his fastball, doesn't have good breaking stuff, like if he comes back and isn't a player, then they are going to have to slam the panic button because they're going to have to get probably three or four arms at the deadline, in that case, they're probably going to have to add a rotation arm. They'll probably have to add at least two bullpen arms. And then you have no, you can't add a bench bat in that case because you've expended all your prospect capital, of which you already don't have any. I think that it's a bad sign that I'm 
have been looking at Trent Thornton's AAA stats and thinking, <laughs> oh, hey, man, he spent time with driveline in the offseason. <laughs> he's got that new new pitch, and he's got a sub-4 ERA out of the bullpen in AAA. Is Trent Thornton the answer? Oh, I'm surprised we haven't seen him yet, honestly. It's just classic Blue Jays every year. You just see Trent Thornton come in and have to eat up innings because things go wrong. But thankfully, we haven't had to see him yet. But, I mean... It's it's probably getting too dangerously close to that point at, at this moment. <laughs> yeah, not I'm not all interested in seeing uh, I'm not all interest, interested in seeing bubbles uh, from Trailer Park Boys. You know, um, you said it. The whole just munching innings. You can't be tossing Trent Thornton out of U of World Series aspirations, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Kind of going forward, I, you know, I mean. It's done an okay job. Obviously, it hasn't been the best pen in the world, but like I mean, they have enough moving pieces where it's like I mean, you'll see Jay Jackson come back up. Like they they have enough to like at least get the job done, and it's just tough when you know it, it sucks. Like I mean, like Tim Mesa has maybe been, you know, he has the lowest ERA in your bullpen, and you only see him against lefties, so that kind of limits you know what you're doing with everybody else, and uh, you know. It, it's it, like you, you have three options that you trust. Circle of trust is now down to three and it, it sucks. But I mean, it's like you said, it's the way that bullpens go. You never know what you're going to get. And if you ever want to test that theory, just go look at Adam Simber's number the past couple of years. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Simber is such a unique case because he just relied on deception almost exclusively. So I mean, now his fastball, like, I I think his fastball's lost a tick, which is, or I guess it's a sinker, but his his sinker has lost a tick, which when you're Adam Simber, losing a tick, is you're basically throwing BP slop at this point, right? So, I don't know. They, they need options, and they just, they lack them. Yeah. Let's move on from the bullpen. I feel like, well, you know, it feels like we've had the bullpen talk every week, and I'm sure that it'll be you know, a hot topic coming up next week because we got a thrilling week of baseball coming up with the Orioles and Rangers hitting the, the Blue Jays, hitting the road to face the Orioles and Rangers. Before before we get there, though, let's close up this last stretch and give Kevin Biggio his flowers. Kevin Biggio, I'm going to just drop this question. Did he save the season with his three-run home run yesterday? How you, hot a take you, are you looking for? You can go, Joe. You can go. <laughs> how, how hot a take are you looking for? I'll say yes. I'll 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 take that. I'll take the bait. Listen, you lose you lose that game. You've been swept by the by the Twins, and all of a sudden this this you know we we're amazing outside our division and can't just can't win, just can't win within the AL East discussion. Suddenly becomes uh oh. There's some there's some uh there's some faulty cracks in the foundation which there still are um you know and you're kind of like well we just got swept by the twins who were supposed to be better than you know they're leading the the crummy al central with precisely zero good teams in it so that that homer i mean listen like did it save the season probably not you know it's, it's a home run in the middle of june but it's about as big as a home run in the middle of june is going to get for you yeah, I, I thought it was massive. I mean, anytime you can't, you can avoid a sweep from any team in the league. It's it's a massive swing, and they're going on a nine game road trip as well. So, 
and and going and playing the Orioles, a team that they absolutely need to beat, a, a series that they absolutely need to win. So, yeah, getting some momentum, not coming off losing three games, coming off a massive win. Uh, yeah, it's it's like I think you said it perfectly there. As as big of a, a swing as you're going to get in the middle of the, middle of June, I thought. Yeah, and it it might have saved Kevin Biggio's job too for the rest of the season. Yeah, I. I, I agree with you both. It's probably not saving the season, but if you get swept by the Twins after the Anthony Bass fiasco and vibes could not be worse, I would say, especially after, you know, the Gosman start and everything that's going on in terms of the offense and Brandon Belt and Kevin Kiermaier being hurt right now. But, you know, gives, Kevin Vigio has been, like, actually pretty solid. Since May 1st, he has a 120 WRC+. Plus. You know, the batting average is there. The walk rate is, is still not near his career norms. But for some reason, he has started hitting for power. And, you know, he has five home runs this year in 107 plate appearances. And I mean, that'll play. Like, I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, we're looking at like 2020 Kevin again. But he still has an average under 200 and... You know, the OBP is under 300, and there's still a lot of issues going on there. But part of me does wonder sometimes, like, I mean, maybe if you get him back into an everyday playing, in a, into an everyday role, like, maybe you do start to see a little bit more comfort from him. Like, I mean, you know, take from it what you will, but, I mean, there was, you know, Shy wrote that piece about Kevin and Nathan Lucas doing their, like, competitive off off or like non-playing day sessions where they've been like working on their swings and Kevin has like this new he's been working on how he gets his hands through the zone and I mean like I mean the results have been pretty good ever since that article did come out and you know I it, I'd be interested to see like I mean Whit Merrifield's been so good you're not really like we've talked about before they have 10 position players that you trust for nine spots. So Nathan Lucas, Kevin Biggio, Tyler Heineman, like you're not cracking into that group of 10. So, you know, like, I mean, there's not a lot of playing time there, but part of me does wonder, like, I mean, if he were to get more playing time, if we would see kind of him start to get on a roll a little bit. This is, this is just a, just a, like the, nothing about what I'm about to say is going to make any sense, but Kevin Biggio would be so much more valuable if he was a catcher. Cause I feel, and I know that's just, it's a dumb sentence. Like nothing about that sentence is anything a smart baseball mind would say, but like he's, he's clearly like a guy that can hang and like he has value. And I mean, there's also the whole bloodline with the catcher thing. And he's like, He's he was their like emergency catcher. Now he's like their emergency emergency catcher behind Varsho. But like he's it's exactly what you said. Where he, he there's just a lack of spots for him. He's not a good enough defender to put him really in the outfield on a regular basis, and he's not a good enough hitter to put him on the infield on a regular basis. So, I mean, like I I like I like that he's he's really kind of found his stride of late, and I think if he can become you know that lefty off the off the bench guy Jays have been begging for that just on their hands and knees just begging for somebody and if they can fill that role internally with him that'd be you know peaches and cream and now you don't really have to worry as much about finding a bench bat at the deadline you can divert those assets and then we're back at this bullpen discussion but it's really kind of just a matter of he needs to make good on the 
the opportunities he gets. And if he does, I mean, Whit Merrifield's been been a pleasant surprise, but by no means is he an all-star. Like that spot is still, in my opinion, up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, and, and they gave him the look at the start of the year. At the start of the year, he was basically playing every day against righties and, and Whit was barely playing. And a lot of people were not happy about that. They wanted Whit to start playing every day. And, and now that he has, he's, he's shown that he's worthy of it. And I mean, yeah, I, I just don't think Kevin ultimately has a spot a starting spot on this team anyway you shape it out with with everybody healthy but i mean it's it's great to see him starting to come around a bit and it's it's important to have guys like that for depth that can come off the bench and and make your lineup still deep even on days that you don't have your best lineup right so i i, I think it's massive for the team overall it's it's something that needs to be talked about but i i, I don't think he's really ever going to be a starter with the guys that they have currently on the roster my take on this whole cabin thing is that the most valuable thing that he can do for this roster is play his way into being a valuable trade chip. That's it. Yeah. Or something that, uh, a bad team looks at if they, if, if Kevin can play his way into being a player that a bad team looks at and is like, if we put him into our lineup every day, we're going to be getting a young everyday player. Yeah, and then no, they I, trade like a, an older asset for it or whatever, right? That can help this team. And I think, you know, I'm not saying that I don't believe in Cavan, but I do think that there are some concerning things about kind of where the strikeout and walk totals have gone in. Like, I mean, obviously the power is there all of a sudden, but do I really believe that? Like, I mean, not totally. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I, I think he, you know, obviously he hits a home run the other day and we're talking about him saving the season, mm-hmm. but realistically, if Cabin Bicho is the one that is being required to save your season, then your team has lots and lots of other issues that need to be addressed. A uh, Cabin Bicio hit for some pop in, in AAA. Like, I mean, obviously the power has been here and there and everywhere, at the major league level, the exit velo stuff has never been all that eye popping, even during 2020. But I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd be so quick to trade him. Just again, the positional versatility with him, I think, is really valuable. Would it be nice if he still could play third, but kind of that experiment obviously did not go anywhere when he was their primary third baseman for a year. So, like, I don't know if I'd be so fast to trade him. I think that the the Blue Jays really value versatility. They've articulated that, you know, a number of times throughout the Shapiro and Atkins regime. And I I don't know that I love the idea of arguably trading your second most versatile guy for what in the best of scenarios is maybe maybe a fringy arm under the best of circumstances. Yeah, I think it all depends on what you can get for him. If it's if it's a fringy arm, then yeah, no, he's he's more valuable than that to the team as a as a versatile bench player. But if you're getting a truly impactful arm that that might put the bullpen over the top from being a mid bullpen to a top ten bullpen in the league, then then maybe it is worth it at that point. But I, I wouldn't just be trading him for for pennies on the dollar for sure because he is a guy that has value. Absolutely. No, yeah, no, definitely wouldn't move him for like another bench player who is going to play as much as he does, obviously. I think for, you know, uh, 
positionally, like, I mean, he's, he's almost like the 11th guy out of that 10, right? Cause you know, Santiago has been not great. Lucas has a negative WRC plus this season. And, you know, all the other options that they've had have, have been not great. Like, I mean, early Ernie Clement was up for a bit and, you know, he got whatever six plate appearances, so you can't really judge him on that. But like, I mean, nobody's really bringing you more than Cavan. So I do think like, kind of like Jake said, it would have to be like an actual difference maker in the pen. And I don't know if Cavan actually can play himself up to that level for this year. Yeah, you're going to have a tough time. And it's not like they, I mean, for the lack of depth that they, that the Blue Jays seemingly have, they actually do have two so-so half-decent options to kind of replicate what Biggio brings in terms of Davis Schneider and Spencer Horowitz down in AAA. Like, they have guys that are positionally versatile, so-so defenders with, like, moderate pop and uh, half-decent eye type of of vibe. You know, all the all the tools in very in very generous air quotes that Biggio brings to the Blue Jays, but I just don't know that his roster spot, just the the utility that he fills, is not conducive to a high value player. Yeah, that, that's probably right. Like, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they treat the roster at the at the deadline and coming up. Because, like, I mean, like we say, we don't have depth, but also there's not really a lot of room in that starting nine to like really improve much. Like, I mean, you're not improving or you're not looking to improve Vlad. You're not looking to improve Bo. You're not looking to improve Chapman. You're, you got your catchers set. Merrifield has played very well this season. You have, you're very happy with what you've gotten from your three outfielders and belt has looked like almost an all-star himself. So, you know, there's not really, a lot of areas that you need to improve and obviously, you know, injuries aside, you know, there's obviously stuff going on with Kiermaier and Belt and we'll kind of see what happens there, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting roster. And I, I think that there's going to be some very tough decisions that the front office is going to have to make in terms of what you're looking to add and how that, what that does to your, to your playing time crunch for sure. Yeah, the, the belt injury is obviously unfortunate. Ho- hopefully he doesn't end up actually going on the IL, but at the same time, Jansen coming back too. So if he does end up going on the IL, kind of good timing there because then we can just use the catcher's DH and catcher. And it's not a ma- – like, belt's been really good, so it is a big loss, but it, it at least makes it not as bad if Jansen's coming back because he, he looked pretty good before going on, on the IL. Yeah, I was I was a pretty big Brandon, Hel- a Brandon Belt hater to start the year uh i think i'm on the record saying that i don't think or i didn't think he would be a blue jay after june 1st uh so he's been a wonderful surprise but yeah like you i think with the jays the the floor is clearly there but they're kind of a little bit limited in terms of guys that really raise the ceiling which is a it's silly vlad. it's vlad yeah it's really about vlad and Bo. Bo's done his part vlad has not and you're really waiting for those guys to to really raise their ceiling and then even like a guy like an alejandro kirk who's turned it around a little bit of late but you know the way he was playing pre-all-star break last year you know he looked like a top five catcher in baseball he won the silver slugger for all catchers last year you need production out of him too yeah before we move on to kind of just 
tee up what's going on in the, the next week here with the Orioles and the Rangers. We do have some, I'm going to call it moderate breaking news in regards to the Blue Jays. Um, obviously, <laughs> all-star voting doesn't, you know, really determine who the best players are at each position, but we do have the first returns from the ballots thus far. And there's a Blue Jay listed at every single position right now. So I'm just going to rip through them real quick, and I'm going to get your guys' reaction. Okay. All right, so we're going to start at first base. So leading the first base American League vote is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., ahead of the likes of Yandy Diaz, (laughs) Anthony Rizzo, Nate Lowe, and Ty France. I, for one, am shocked that the all-star playing in Tampa Bay is struggling to garner fan support. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll move on because I think that's a pretty obvious one. All right. Second base voting. First is Marcus Simeon. Second is Jose Altuve. Third is Witt Merrifield. Do we see Witt make the all-star team this year? Because Jose Altuve has, like, I mean, he came back late. So is Witt going to make the all-star team? I mean, the way the Jays fans vote, like obviously it could be possible, but I mean, like I'm looking at second. He's he's right like five, he's like five hundred thousand votes behind Semyon, so it would have to be okay. Kind of like a and a. a but they could still vote him. Supplementary choice. Yeah, I mean, Semyon's the clear choice there. Obviously, there's no one that's really that close to him. I mean, the second base is pretty thin, though. I mean, after Semyon in the AL, who's Who's the next best option? I'm seeing all like NL guys there. The next best. It, uh, it sure sounds like it's going to be the 2021 Blue Jays. Uh, the, the Santiago Espinal treatment for, for what like they I mean, listen, <laughs> I I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. There's not really a clear like second choice at second base there. But I mean, like obviously you can do other reserve players. So you would just have Semyon ideally. But it's possible. <laughs> Hey, the Blue Jays second baseman are just a lock to make the All-Star game. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, third base. Uh, Matt Chapman is leading by 5,000 votes over Josh Young. And then followed by Rafi Devers, Alex Bregman, and Anthony Rendon. Wow. Tony Two Bags. You didn't mention um, Ramirez there? No. Yeah, J-Ram's not in the top five. Interesting. Paredes not in the top five. I'm just looking through the F4 leaderboards here. Gunner not top five. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, Devers has been bad. Devers is, yeah, he's a bit of a rough go. But I mean, Josh Young has been really good. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I mean, he's Chapman, obviously Chapman, who's been not all that great recently. He's really he has struck. such an he has such an amazing April that it's kind of like doesn't yeah. even matter like he, he'll make it because he was like so 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 yeah. good in april like i mean that was one of the best months i think i've seen from a hitter in in a really long time and you know i i i really think that we could see him start start the all-star game like i mean the way that he, he's gonna get voted he's gonna make it either way so we can move on there Bo Bichette is leading the shortstop he is leading the shortstop vote by a lot almost 400,000 votes over second place, Corey Seager, not Wander Franco, who's in third, and then Pena's fourth, and fifth is Crawford. Texas fans coming out. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've they've been so good. Um, It's it's an interesting debate. I mean, who would you guys rather have between Wander and Bo this year? Identical WRC pluses right now. Yeah. Obviously, the difference is a little bit of the defensive value, which is favoring Wander. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to go Wander just because the, the stolen bases too. I mean, Wander's got 22 stolen bases. He's playing better defense. The hitting's pretty identical, but I think it's a big enough difference in in F4. And, and yeah, the stolen bases play a big factor in that. I think it's a big enough difference to, to go Wander over Bo, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, they're both really good. So, they're both you know, good. kind of yeah. pick, pick your poison there. Okay, I'm going to rip through this last reel real quick. We have... In the outfield, Kevin Kiermeyer is fifth in voting, and George Springer is seventh. And catcher Alejandro Kirk is fourth behind Adley, Jonah Heim, and Salvi. And then designated hitter Shohei, obviously running away with it. But in yeah. second place is Brandon Belt. <laughs> so it might be a large Blue Jays contingent making the trip to Seattle. Anyway, so that is our first ever breaking news segment on the Bird's Eye View podcast. That was very uh, not breaking news, not breaking news, but it's... Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure where you were coming at with that. I was like, oh, did, news, a, did a roster move happen? But, no, uh, news was, nonetheless. Yeah. So <laughs> we are starting to run out of time here. So let's do a real quick tee up of the Orioles and Rangers series as the Blue Jays hit the road. Yeah, it sounds like the players were kind of excited to just get away from home and get some of the bad vibes out of the way so right now the way that things are lining up we got bassett versus dean creamer jose barrios versus kyle bradish yusei kikuchi against tyler wells the bullpen duo of trevor richards and whoever against martin perez and then kevin gosman and dane dunning and chris bassett and john gray so as we do every work every week here on the bird's eye view we are going to go around and we will get our prediction for the next week so six games are you guys ready to lock in your predictions unfortunately due to some technical issues jory's mic cut out for the last couple minutes here of the podcast he picked the blue jays to go three and three over the next week fortunately we didn't miss anything else from jory going forward so we will catch you right up where we left off yeah i think i i, I like the matchups in both series honestly i think I think two two games against the Orioles seems pretty realistic. I think the Kikuchi Wells game probably the one that they drop just because Wells has been pretty solid this year. He's been really good, and Kikuchi's been kind of mid overall. But yeah, I, I, and honestly, I think two 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 games against the Rangers as well. I think I don't I don't know which one I'm going to predict them to lose. I mean, I kind of like the matchups all around. It's obviously tough with a bullpen game, but Martin Perez is coming off a pretty bad start and. He's been pretty bad overall on the year. So, and I like I like Gosman versus Dunning. I like Bassett versus versus Gray. I, I think they could. I think it's possible they could sweep the Rangers. But I, I it's I'm going to predict two two games against the Rangers. They win and they they win two games against the Orioles as well. All right. So last time we faced the Orioles, there was both of us predicted uh, sweep yeah. sweeps over the Orioles just for the Orioles to turn around and sweep the Blue Jays. But I'm going to go right back to it. I'm going to go sweep over the Orioles and then one and two against the Rangers. I think the the bullpen game is, is you know, it, it's tough. And then John Gray is just on a heater right now. So, you know, that's that's a tough one. But I mean, Chris Bassett has outdueled some very good pitchers this year. So you never know. I'll lock in a four and two prediction. Um, I'm going to guarantee a win over Dane Dunning because I don't care what his ERA is. Dane yeah, Dunning is. He's, he's is, been getting kind of lucky. I, I got to say. <laughs> uh, I, I have many thoughts on Dane Dunning, but I will save that for a different episode. 
That'll do it for us here today at the Bird's Eye View podcast. Make sure you drop a follow or review wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us each on Twitter. Jory is at Schechter. Jake is at JakeBrandon underscore. And I am at Warden underscore Zach. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.